Welcome to the First Assembly of God podcast, a ministry of First Assembly of God in Greencastle, Pennsylvania, where we are passionately pursuing His will, His way. You can find out more about us on our website, greencastle-firstassembly.org. Now, let's dive into today's podcast. Acts chapter today 2, we're going to continue and let's give a little review, recap where we've been. Uh, so far, Jesus instructed his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father promised, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised his disciples that the power of the Holy Spirit would empower them to be his witnesses and to spread his gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's been our focus. We're, we're tying it to Scripture. I know we have all kinds of ideas and maybe experiences, or I was raised teaching this way, or I was re- We're really trying to keep it tied to Scripture, all right? So not what does my emotions say or what is my past experience. What, is, what does God's Word say? He says He promised that He would send the gift that the Father promised, the power of the Holy Spirit, and it had a there is a purpose behind that. It's to be a witness for Jesus. And so we'll talk a little bit more about that. So uh, Jesus ascended into heaven. It was promised that he would return again someday in the same way that he went. And so we as a church are, are waiting his soon return. How many believe that it's coming soon? Jesus is coming soon. And uh, we're hopeful, we're excited for that day. But until he comes, we need to be faithful about the mission that God's called us to and uh, uh, sharing the good news about Jesus to lost people today. The followers of Jesus obeyed the Lord by returning to Jerusalem to wait for the gift that the Father promised. And last week we looked at on the day of Pentecost, the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the disciples of Jesus were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages or other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. We, we said that these are languages that they didn't know, uh, but they, that the Holy Spirit inspired them to, to speak uh, on that day. Through the empowerment and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter explains that this baptism in the Holy Spirit was prophesied about in the Old Testament and is now available today. And a statement that we said last week is that Jesus is calling us, his church, to live and act like a last day's church. Peter says this is the last days, and so we need to act like a last day's church that that is empowered by his spirit, that is faithful to his mission, and that is ready for his soon coming. And so we need to be empowered by his spirit, we need to be faithful to his mission, and we need to be ready for his soon coming. Coming And the last verse we ended on last week was Acts 2.21, where it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so we need to keep that in our minds. We need to keep that in our hearts as we're talking to people, as we're witnessing to people, as we're hearing conversations, as we're watching the news, we're hearing stories. We need to remember that truth, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what they've done or their past and the sins. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we're so grateful for that. Aren't you glad that you call on the name of the Lord and he saved you? 
You know, he didn't say, well, let me check your credentials first, and uh, let me see where you grew up, and who was your parents, and what happened here, and well, well, tell me about this year here. Tell me about what happened. You know, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pick back up Acts chapter 2, and now we are in verse 22. So Peter here is going to proclaim the gospel. He's going to preach Jesus to this crowd. Peter is empowered by the Holy Spirit. He's speaking a prophetic utterance here. And so we read this. It says in verse 22 to 36, it says, People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God raised him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And someone said, amen. We're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday in just a few weeks. We're, We're grateful that death and hell couldn't keep him in its grip. King David, in verse 25, said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referencing, wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, would you help us today? Help us to to not just hear your word, not just to, to, to receive it, but to understand what you're speaking to your church today. Jesus, help us to be a spirit-empowered church, a church that's changed by the power of God, a church that's, that's ready to, to share the good news, a church that is faithful to the mission of God, that's ready for your soon coming. Jesus, help us. Empower us by your presence. Use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One writer writes this about this passage. He says, 
this preaching that Peter was doing was a manifestation of the gift of prophecy, which we experience today. There was a gift of prophecy that Heidi shared with us that happened last week at our service. Someone shared a gift of prophecy, a prophetic proclamation, an utterance in a language that we understand, right? A message in tongues is in a language that we don't understand, and, it, and there's an interpretation of that. But today and last week, we had a, a, a gifts of the prophetic. And so Peter, that's what he's doing. He's speaking a prophetic word to the people here. He's preaching Jesus in the gospel. It says this, the Pentecostal experience was intended to bear powerful witness to Jesus. When you read the words that Peter's saying, it's all focused on Jesus. He doesn't get sidetracked and start to, to get here and there. He's, he's key, all the, everything is focused upon Jesus. We can summarize this truth by saying this, the Holy Spirit always draws our attention and our focus on Jesus. I want to say that again because maybe it seems so basic and fundamental, but it's so important. The Holy Spirit always draws our attention and our focus on Jesus. The Holy Spirit was sent to help bear witness to Jesus. He says, you will receive power and you will be my what? Witnesses everywhere you go. So the question is, I was reading this and studying this, is, I was asking myself, am I pointing people to Jesus? Are you pointing people to Jesus? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to use us to point people to Jesus? Are we a church that is pointing people to Jesus? That's what it's about. We're grateful for our church. We're grateful for this community, but it's not all about us. We're not pointing people to us like, hey, come to us. It's come to Jesus. Last week I shared, I just felt like, I felt like the Lord was, had a word for us last week was simply, we're not designed to be a container church. We're not designed just to say, how many people can we fill in this place and say, wow, aren't, aren't we just a wonderful, aren't we just a successful church? God's called us to be a sending church. There will be people that come, they will be filled, they will be healed, they will be restored, and then they'll be sent out into the harvest fields. They'll be planting churches. Maybe they'll be missionaries somewhere. Maybe they'll go plant something, a ministry somewhere. But we're going to be a sending church. We're going to be a church that's focused on pointing people to Jesus. A spirit-empowered church points people to Jesus. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the operation of the Holy Spirit. And the, but we, more important, we believe that the purpose is to point people to Jesus. Maybe you've had some experiences. Maybe you've had some extreme experiences in maybe different type churches where the focus wasn't Jesus. Maybe the focus was just on a, an experience or it was on a manifestation but the focus needs to be on Jesus. There will be experiences, there will be manifestations, there will be gifts, but the focus needs to be on Jesus. Are we pointing 
people to Jesus? Are we drawing people to Jesus? Is it causing people to come to say, I need Jesus in my life? Let's take a look at a few of these verses and, and just and, and break down what, what God's speaking to us. Verses 22 and 23, Peter says, God publicly endorsed Jesus by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and he, he, his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. It says, with the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Let's take a look at this. The signs, the wonders, the miracles that we read that we read about were all a divine demonstration of God's power, of his authority, and were a divine endorsement of who Jesus is. When Jesus was healing people, it was it was Jesus saying that the guy was saying I give endorsement to the power and the authority of who Jesus is. The signs and the wonders. Not just that, but the Bible declares that God knew what would happen. God knew what would happen. He knew that Jesus would be betrayed. The Bible even says that it was part of God's prearranged plan. So think about that. God sent his son Jesus to live, to serve, but also to be betrayed and to die and to rise again. They were all part of God's plan. They were all part of his plan of what we, what we call redemption. He, God's plan of salvation for sinful humanity involved all of this. Something that we can learn from this is that nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing takes God by surprise. Maybe you go through something, God's not surprised, God's not surprised by the situations and circumstances that go, that take place. Did you know that cross was not an accident? It was not plan B or plan C for God? Well, I guess we're gonna have to, no, it was part of God's plan. Did you know that you were part of God's plan? It was your sins, it was my sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. We were part of his plan. God sent Jesus to die for your sins, for my sins, for your failures, for my failures, for your mistakes, for my mistakes. When the creator of the universe was making plans for the redemption and the salvation of all of humanity, he was thinking of each and every one of us. He was thinking of you. He was thinking of each of us. And Peter, under the the power of the Holy Spirit, he's proclaiming the gospel to them. That Jesus died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And that it was not an accident. It didn't catch God by surprise. That it was all part of his plan. 
But the good news doesn't just end there with a death. It says in verse 24, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life where death could not hold him in its grip. Jesus did not just die for your sins, but God raised him back to life for your forgiveness, for your freedom, and for your eternal hope. And so because Jesus lives, now we can live. As Brenda shared, we have hope now. That even if this body dies, we have hope that we will spend forever with Jesus if we have a relationship with him. I had the privilege to do a funeral this week and just a, a brother that uh, had given his life in ministry and preaching and pastoring and, and uh, the Lord called him home and it was a time of, yes, grieving for family and friends, but a time of rejoicing, a time of hope, a time of great peace. Because Jesus conquered death, we now can conquer death. Death is no longer the enemy to us. Our bodies might die. This tent might pass away. But our soul, our spirit will live forever. And one day Jesus will provide a perfect glorified body for each and every one of us. It'll probably be a body without hair. Because I think bald is perfection. Is that something I know? Will we all be bald in heaven? No. Someone said bald was beautiful, but they could have been mistaken. I don't know. I just know I need less shampoo each year as it goes by. Less and less shampoo. I still remember that time. Chris says, honey, you don't need to use shampoo. Do you remember that, honey? I'm still working through that one. <clears throat> Verses 32 to 33, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. So we talk about Jesus dying. We talk about Jesus rising. He ascends into heaven. And it says that now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. One scholar writes this. He says, God by his powerful right hand raised Jesus to an exalted position of power and authority at his right hand. This was a place of triumph. It was a place of victory. By paying the full price, Jesus won for us the battle against sin and death. And thus, God, Jesus remains at God's right hand throughout this age that we live in now. He is always there to intercede for us. In Christ, we also are seated at the right hand of God. Because this is our position in Christ, we do not need our own works of righteousness to claim his promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nothing we could do could give us a higher position than we already have in Christ. This is what God's word says. I'll read a few scriptures. They'll be on the screen. You can follow along. It says this in Mark 16. 
When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. The next scripture says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Romans 8, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And Paul says this, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 1 says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. We could go on and on and on. Read one last one to you, Hebrews chapter 7. There were many priests under the, under the old system, For death prevented them from remaining in office, but because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Jesus is interceding for us. He's seated at the right hand of God. Acts 2.33 says this, And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. We believe that Jesus is the baptizer. God is the giver, but Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who baptizes us. He is the one who pours out his Spirit upon his people. And may our prayer be, Jesus, baptize us in your Holy Spirit. And he closes by saying, let everyone 
in Israel know for certain that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Now let's remember what, what's taking place here. Peter the other followers of Jesus, they just been empowered the Holy Spirit. The purpose of that power is to be a witness. And here, Peter, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is proclaiming clearly the good news of who Jesus is and testifying that he is alive today. That is the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The purpose is to be an effective Witness for Jesus. The purpose is to proclaim the gospel to lost people everywhere. Question, am I pointing people to Jesus? Is our church pointing people to Jesus? That's what it's all about, folks. What is the crowd's reaction here in Acts chapter 2? Starting with verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise to you is to you, to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. I want to skip down just to the end today. It's with this statement. A spirit-empowered church is a grace-filled church. As I was reading and studying this, I was thinking to myself, these are the same people that not that long ago were, were screaming, crucify him. They were, they were shouting, you know, give Give us Barabbas and put Jesus to death. God gets a hold of their hearts and their lives, and what happens? The church, the disciples, what do they do? Do they reject them and say, well, God can't forgive that. That's, that's beyond forgiveness. What do they do? They respond, what, what can we do, brothers? What, what do we do? And he says, hey, repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, and turn by faith to God, turn to Jesus Christ. And, and, and then what do they do? They open their arms to them, and they welcome them, and they baptize them, and they say, you're a part of the church. And it says they're added to their number. Jesus accepted and forgave them. Jesus has forgiven us and has accepted us. And there will be those who are far from God now, but will one day be saved, and we will welcome them. 
We will welcome them. We will baptize them. They will be added to the number. May we always be a grace-filled church. Not just a church that accepts everything and every, you know, like, oh, you can believe what you want. No, that's not, that's not grace. <laughs> grace is saying that Jesus can forgive you. Turn away from your sins. Turn to Jesus. He will forgive you. He will accept you. He will bring you in. That's true grace. It's not a license that, hey, you can do whatever you want and God will love you no matter what. That's not, that's not grace. A grace-filled church says, you know what, I was messed up once too and God accepted me. God can forgive you. God can accept you. God can bring you in to be a part of his body. Can you imagine the day when people aren't just added from, you know, other things and things, but people are added to the number because they've come to Jesus, because their lives have been changed and transformed, and they become a part of the body of believers. And like I said, some will be sent. Some will, some will be sent out to minister to others. May we be a spirit-empowered church today. Krista, would you come and lead us today as we just uh, spend some time in prayer? Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? I want to give an invitation for salvation today. The Holy Spirit moved upon Peter and he proclaimed the gospel He proclaimed who Jesus is. And today we've proclaimed who Jesus is. That it was your sins and my sins that that nailed Jesus to the cross. But God, through his love, through his power, he raised Jesus from the dead. And just like Peter says, if we would repent, if we will turn away from our sins, if we will turn by faith to trust in Jesus for our salvation, we will find new life. We will experience the grace of God. the mercy of God, the kindness of God. And as we sang about earlier, we will experience the goodness of God. That one day you can share that testimony of what does victory in Jesus mean to you? What has Jesus done in your heart, in your life? One day you'll be baptized in our water baptism tank. You will go public with your faith one day. But it starts right now just by saying yes to Jesus. Would you say yes to Jesus? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I'd love to pray for you today. 
say yes to Jesus. If you're online, you can just put in the comments, would you pray for me for salvation today? Jesus, we pray for those making decisions today. Lord, those who are turning away from their sins, those who are turning by faith to you, Jesus, forgive them, cleanse them, give them a new life, a new purpose. Use them, Jesus, for your glory, for your honor. Help them to take steps of faith. Help them to grow in their walk with you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us today? May we all respond to the Lord, whatever the Lord's calling you to do, whatever He's calling you from today. Maybe He's He's asking you to go deeper with Him today. Maybe He's asking you to reach out for something specific today. Jesus, would you touch your people today? Jesus, would you minister to your people today, Lord? Lord, would you breathe new life, fresh renewal today. Jesus, would you baptize your people in the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you empower us to be your witnesses, to give witness to you wherever we go, Lord Jesus. Would we be like Peter, Lord, to give a clear witness in Holy Spirit? You'll draw all men to Jesus. You'll draw all, all people to Jesus. Jesus, help us to point people to you. May we be a church, Lord, that points people to you, Jesus. Lord, that we believe you're adding already. You're adding to this number, Lord. You're adding to this church. You're changing hearts. You're changing lives. Our story continues to be written. But Lord, there's so many still to reach in this region, in this world. Give us a heart for the lost, Lord. Give us a heart for the harvest. Give us insight. Give us wisdom. Give us creativity, Lord Jesus. Give us the courage to try new things, to step out in faith, to take risks, Lord, to start conversations.
Lord, would you use us wherever you've planted us, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, our activities, our sports teams. Would you use us to point people to you, Jesus, for your glory, for your honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing with us as Krista leads us this morning? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you haven't done so yet, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and share it with those you know. Our prayer is that you will find true and lasting life in a relationship with Jesus and that you will live to do His will, His way, for His glory.